We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 21st day of December, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and two very special guests, but I'll get to them in just a moment. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Uh, trying to stay warm. Yeah, got that cold front coming through. Well, I just froze myself to death the last uh, few days here, but it's all gone now and we're back up into like the, the mid 40s. All the snow's melted. And yeah, it's uh, it's actually very pleasant. So good luck to you. I wish you the best. <laughs> Hope you don't turn into a popsicle by tomorrow. And as per on Wednesday, we have Weston and Melissa joining us from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. How are you both today? Very well, thank you. Very well. Fantastic. As I was saying in prep, we don't really have uh, a whole lot other than the usual song and dance that are going on in the... Um, you know, in the, the mainstream of politics. And I, I kind of threw it out there. I said, you know, it's and it's an always an open forum to discuss whatever you like. I thought we would talk about whatever you wanted to talk about with whatever you're working on or whatever. And you mentioned an interesting term to me just a few minutes ago. I have to say that I'm fascinated and I'm curious at the same time. And that is the word teachnocracy. That's a new one for me. When you when you first said it, I said, oh, yeah, technocracy. We love talking about that stuff. And you said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Teachnocracy. So let's get into what teachnocracy is. I'm curious, and I'm sure the listeners are curious as well. Well, back in February of this year, I had put a couple of links from that series, which is on Unlimited Hangout. That's Whitney website. And the author was John Kleisick. Uh, but I didn't have time to dig into it. I thought it was interesting, but there was a lot going on. So in the talk that I posted of Alan Watts on Sunday, he was being hosted. It was a, a show called Out There TV, and his hosts, Richard and Kate Mucci, were talking about, and this was in 2008, they were talking about the problems Germans were having because they were not allowed to homeschool. And she said, have you been paying attention to what's going on in Germany with homeschooling? And then they started talking about UNESCO and Julian Huxley, who was the brother of Aldo Huxley and started, was the founding CEO of UNESCO, which is basically the UN's uh, educational, cultural, well, I'll scientific. get it. Yeah, uh, scientific and cultural organization. And um, so I thought, well, what is going on right now? in 2022 in Germany with homeschooling. And as I was looking into this, yes, yeah, I discovered that yeah, basically yeah. Uh, at least one thing I, I found was that homeschooling has actually been illegal in Germany uh, since 1919. It, yep. it just isn't done. And that makes sense if you think about it. I mean, maybe re-education is not a word that people will approve of in Germany, but that is essentially what happened um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there was something on the agenda between World War One and World War Two that Germany wanted its own brand of re-education. Re but um, anyway, it led me to Unlimited Hangout, back to those articles, and I found three more on the site. And John Kleisick, I was explaining to you before we uh, started the show, he is a teacher. He had the um, rare and amazing opportunity to have Charlotte Iserby who was big on exposing uh, corruption, that deliberate dumbing down of America was a book that she wrote. And she approached him when she read one of his articles and said, you know, this, let's write something together. They did. He ended up living at her house for 30 days. She gave him full access to her research. She passed away in uh, January of, I think, or February. And he and gifted uh, John Kleisick with a lot of her research. So what he's done 
um, uh, using her research and his own very, very good research and analytical mind about what's going on, is an amazing series that ties together technocracy, big tech, big tech privatization of education, links back to UNESCO, Julian Huxley, the Rockefeller Foundation. Kevin, who else is it? Uh, Albert Spang. What was that guy's name? Uh, sort of a spanky? Yeah, the, one of the head. Why is yeah. it? Uh, I'm sorry, but why, why is it every time that we start doing research into something in, involving education, doesn't matter what country it is, it always ends up back at the Rockefeller Foundation? It does. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Rockefellers are amazing. And what he shows here, you, you think of, oh, well, you know, David Rockefeller is gone. He was trilateral, you know. So, I mean, how how much are the Rockefellers involved in things nowadays? Isn't it all Bill Gates? Well, actually, Event 201 uh, that occurred in uh, September of 2019, where they did a tabletop exercise about a pandemic that looked an awful lot like COVID-19, was um, Johns Hopkins, Bill Gates, or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the Rockefeller Foundation. So they're into everything. And what he's basically showing is that he's linking all of this right to the World Economic Forum, to the Great Reset, to the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And he is showing how the students who are being educated now and how it was all worked through the pandemic with distance learning and how they were able to... Yeah, the major teachers unions lobbied to make sure that the students wouldn't be able to go back to in-person. That's right. They, they said, you have to trust CDC, you have to trust CDC. And then when the CDC said that, we okay, we want to switch to three feet instead of six feet, even though they had been saying trust the CDC the whole time, they actually turned against the CDC. They said, like, no, we need six feet because distancing, because that way we can't fill all the classrooms, you know, or go back to normal full capacity because we want... You know, some children to be outside, you know, they have that weird, complicated rotation system where they can only have so many students in the classroom and some are doing distance learning. Mm -hmm. And so when the CDC said it was safe, it was the distance thing, plus the fact that the teachers union without e without even the distance thing said, no, we don't think it's safe. So they you know, didn't trust the science. <laughs> they yeah. defied it. Yeah. And he links amazing connections between all of big tech and the tentacles that they have into this new, well, as Bill Gates said, we need to reimagine education. And that's exactly what they use the pandemic to do. And so this author, John Kleisick, shows how it is going to create exactly what um, the series yeah the, the series that we've been talking about on cutting through the matrix is purpose made people so what this is doing is creating the new worker bee the new slave for the new system which is the fourth industrial revolution transhumanism I, I look at all these uh, these photos I'm, I'm on there uh, you know I'm, I'm looking at this compilation of information that he's put together and I I see these kids and when I say kids I mean kids I'm talking you know younger kids with these ridiculous VR things on their heads are they hell bent on taking everybody as in like all learning and everything will be in there all learning all business all all life everything is that where it's supposed to be transferred into because I mean I, I'm looking at and, and we discussed this last week or the week before we were talking about Facebook and, and their parent company Meta and their value and how they've lost so much. They've lost over a trillion in the last 12 months. So that to me shows a sign of the coming system that they want to move everybody into as a failure. On top of that, you look at what the WEF, the World Economic Forum, what they want to do with the ESGs, the economics, uh, social and governance, you know, their goals or whatever, their ESG metrics, that's falling apart too. So all of these things that they're they're building up, it's like they're they're building them up and they're trying to promote them. They're trying to move everybody into them. And at the same time, they're collapsing because public opinion just isn't there, just doesn't line up. So how do they hope to accomplish moving all of this into a fourth industrial revolution when they can't even get it off the ground? It doesn't seem like. Well, I don't really I'm not sure that it matters that much, because like if you look at Twitter, uh, uh, the economic model, it's. Uh, it was a total disaster, failure. You would wonder what would motivate Elon Musk to pay the kind of money that he did. The story that we're given is that he's just a big believer in fighting censorship and freedom of speech. But you're looking at an economic 
that where is it unless it's an intelligence operation? I'm out on a limb there. I've got absolutely nothing to back that up. But what I'm saying is that you don't have to have something that is economically viable or that looks like it's going to get off the ground because you're looking at a must be. And, it, and that's what I, I always just try to not get too focused on how it isn't working or how it's not going to work, but how it just keeps moving ahead like a glacier, you know, or, a you know, it's, yeah. it's just moving at us no matter what. Gave the analogy of being like a soldier being resolute on the battlefield, like they just, you know, like, you know, one of them drops dead and they just keep on going like nothing happened. Just keep on charging ahead. Yeah, um, that is true. He said, you know, they are the planners and implementers of this agenda are resolute. And I, one of the things about this series, the teachnocracy, is that he doesn't. You make you can help me out here with the the credit thing, but this has to do with blockchain technology, distributed ledger technology, and it's it is about you know that what they keep how they keep describing blockchain is trust. You can verify things. You can trust the whole process. Well, what they're doing, and they've already implemented this in schools when you dig in and start looking at it, they have what they call trust certificates. And so it's a, it's based on the Skinner reward. What is that? Uh, Operating conditioning? No, that uh, reward and... Um, what is it when you, it's like a punishment reward, but it isn't punishment? Yeah, reward, reward and punishment that, system. That's actually what they call yeah, it in the white papers. Okay, yeah. okay. So it is a reward and punishment system that I'm thinking of, but but basically the students are being trained along that, and they get certificates for complying. So what you're looking at is the Chinese social credit system within that whole model. They even have micro certificates as well. So like things like you don't even have to spend that much time doing it. You still get a certificate. Like they have called micro certificates. It is tied in with what they call the community school system. And it sounds really good. Like, oh, we're taking care of you on a local level. Well, no, that isn't what is happening in the education. The whole movement is toward being able to micro examine one child's attitudes and behaviors and then micro tweak that. Do they need to be seen by a psychologist? Do they need to be on Ritalin? All of those things can be micromanaged at the local level. And so what I realized in reading this series is that it isn't a plan that they kind of hope they're going to get off the ground. It, it is all here. And this is and it's global. These are international teachers unions and federations. And this is what they are doing. They're using the pandemic and there will be more pandemics. I no doubt about it because yeah. this we had that table topic just recently about the yeah. catastrophic contagion and uh you know they were saying uh you know we just we need to do more like covid wasn't enough or like they like the measures that we had that we have during covid wasn't enough and we, we got to do more to repair and also very interesting thing about that exercise i noticed that gordon brown 2008 article where he said he said back in 2008 that alan talked about in the redux we just posted that uh, gordon brown was saying that was rather than terrorism flu Flu pandemic was going to be you know, the next biggest threat. It was a bigger threat than terrorism, basically. And in that article, uh, Gordon Brown went on to talk about how he was going to have a core from Britain of a thousand volunteers that are going to do internationally go out to you know an area where an epidemic was breaking out and like help out, help you know contain the situation. And it was in that catastrophic contagion that more that recent tabletop exercise they had a similar sort of thing where they said we need an international core, like a pandemic core of people that are going to go around the world and help contain pandemics and advise governments on how to lock people down or whatever. So, um, you know, they've been, this, this pandemic idea is definitely very, very important. And that's the reason why we named the Redux. Ah, what will we name it? I, let me look inside really quick. Well, I, the, the, the thing, while he's looking up that, that title, which I can't remember either, even though I came up with it, it's Posthumanist Via Pandemics and Pathocracy was the title that we gave that interview and, and the commentary on it. But so, you know, I, I don't know. I, again, maybe not sounding optimistic, but I, I, the more that I look and the more, you know, the Gordon Brown thing that Weston was just talking about, there is documentation in there. He was going from a study that was done in the UK in 2008. And you, the more you look, the more you see this is something they've been planning for decades. 
Yeah, that's true. They and, will be and, resolute. <laughs> oh, they will. Yeah, I, I certainly believe that. If history has shown anything, at least in the last hundred years, it shows that these people are completely committed to all of this. Uh, and they showed absolutely no signs of stopping. It doesn't matter if they lose some steps or whatever. They're moving on ahead. Yeah, um, look at look but, at all the different pandemics that have come out over the years. So you had SARS, you had MERS, yeah. you had uh, Zika, you had Ebola. You had the swine flu thing that didn't get off the ground, but they, they still kept on bringing out. There's more and more of them. And I, I'm what I uh, was, you know, sort of thinking about is that maybe this might be a boy who cried wolf scenario because like, OK, we think, OK, these pandemics aren't a big deal. They claim that these are super deadly viruses, but they didn't turn out like the swine flu thing didn't turn out to be the avian flu. That was another bird flu. Ebola. These, you know, these they tried an Ebola outbreak out. after after the swine flu, a few yeah. years after the swine flu. Uh, but if you go back to um, uh, what was it? I don't I think it was a table. Another one of those tabletops. It was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and it was pre um, I want to say it was pre H1N1. I can't remember the exact um, the exact. Uh, no, it was um, Lockstep. It was Operation Lockstep. Oh, I can't... oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was 2010. Oh, yeah. That, was, that was like during 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was 2010, 2011, somewhere along in there. And in there, they talked a lot about bringing in this digital ID system, you know, th this digital uh, whatever going forward. And in this latest one that they've just done, I believe that's the one you were referring to, Weston, was the uh, the Sears pandemic is what it was called or something like yes. that, where it was the <laughs> outbreak in, in South America. Yeah, I think that's and you know I was thinking about that too, Johnny. Um, Sears, like seer who can foretell yeah. the future. <laughs> right, sure. And again, the same people have their fingerprints on it: Johns Hopkins University, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and so on and so forth. And in there, I mean, the, the lady that was speaking in that that promo that they did uh, doing the recap. Might as well just had Bill Gates sitting up there explaining because that was everything that he wanted, everything that he's been running around telling the world that it, that needs to be done on the TED talks and everything else that he does. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely that. That's that's what they're going to do. They are, as you say, they are resolute in um, uh, in their commitment to pull this off one way or another. And I think it's going to come in regardless, even if it's dead on arrival, which I think it already is. But uh, even if it's that, I I do believe that they're still going to attempt it. Make no mistake, or they're going to give it to us, I don't know, 30 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on it. So it's going to be something. It, it'll be some variation of it just to get it to that point, And then they'll expand on it from there. One interesting point that I wanted to make about the Teachinocracy article is it brought up you know, the fact that IBM was very heavily promoting the ed tech stuff and, you know, all the, all the which you know, ties in with the you know, monitoring, all the students are collecting data on them for the social credit and so on. Well, they also were one of the companies that did the uh, one version of the COVID passes that New York, the state of New York tried out. Exclusior, I think, was the name of the past. Excelsior. Excelsior, yeah. Excelsior. So, yes, I remember yeah, the that. COVID pass, and so they, they already, you know, had their COVID pass trials. But, you know, I, I don't think even if they don't, which it appears, as far as I know, they're not going to have COVID passes like, you know, internationally. Um, oh, they have or, them here. Or certainly Oh, they'll do. I mean, they'll, this is what the G20 just agreed to a couple of months ago. Uh, there will be something and it may look it may have the appearance of choice or the appearance of flexibility because you've got Canada working on one program. You've got several different kinds of these IDs and it'll be like, oh, well, it's not universal. See, there's two of them <laughs> right, <laughs> or, sure. or five of them. Well, Google uh, Google and Apple both, if you guys remember, right after they started with the uh, the COVID-19 thing, right after the lockdowns and everything, that was supposed to be, well, we want to open everything back up, but we need uh, vaccines in order to do that. And in order for everybody to ensure that they've got safe travel, we need to bring in these little QR code vaccine passports so you can make sure. And then we need to make sure that you have um, social distancing in all the public spaces. So you need this app on your phone that's going to tell you if you've been exposed to somebody else so you can stop the chain infection, whatever kind of gobbledygook that they sold you. But Apple and Google specifically, those two companies, they installed that software on your phone arbitrarily. You couldn't remove it. And the second that they did that, I dumped Google. I mean, I haven't had an Apple phone, but I dumped Google yeah. and I will not go back. I will not go back. I will not have another Google phone as long as I live. Won't happen. And now Google, you, you bring that up to, to now, Google, their new software update contains a digital ID system. It's not mandatory, but it's in there in all of their operating systems now on Android. So when you get the option for digital ID, you can upload everything directly into it. So it's already there. 
And of course, yeah, I think a lot of it might start out optional, you know, before they actually make it until like, you know, become so expected and require for so many things that it's practically compulsory. So yeah, that, uh, although, I, I don't know, I mean, if you're wanting to travel, I would think uh, you, they'd probably make it mandatory if it's not already mandatory in some areas um, pretty soon. Here it is. It's already, you, you got to have it in order to to, to move. I mean, oh, you can, yeah, yeah. It, it, they say that it's not mandatory, but they'll they'll ask you for it. So it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you said that you didn't want borders. That was the whole purpose of the EU. But yet, I mean, now you're saying that you want these checks put in all over the place. You're literally contradicting your whole reason for existing. It's just as ludicrous as the digital cash system, but I don't want to get into that at the moment. Uh, if we happen to get into it, then we can, because that's also part of it, the digital ID system. But getting back to the uh, the schools, because I don't want to stray too far from it. This is an, an ad or a promotion or something that was put out by, I, I don't know who's doing this. I, I want to say it's probably Gates and company that are behind it because he's dumping through his foundation billions of dollars into digital ID systems all across the world through different companies. So I'm assuming that that's where this is coming from. I can't be 100% sure. Uh, but again, I don't know of anybody else that's actually doing that, uh, apart from possibly the tech companies. But this is a promo that they put out midsummer about how all schools should switch to digital ID systems. School IDs have become an integral part of many high schools. It allows students to purchase school lunches, check out library books, make copies, and so much more. Many schools cannot run without them, but they do have their drawbacks. Let's be honest, they're expensive to print and time consuming to distribute. Schools are spending on average four to $5 per student on each ID. And that doesn't even include the printing machine. Once you've distributed, you think you're good to go for the year. But before you know it, students start showing up in the office because they've lost that ID or worse, someone has stolen it. Reprinting IDs is a pain and costly. Have you ever thought about digital IDs? Wouldn't that just make it easier? Most students have either a personal device like a phone or a device like a Chromebook issued to them by their school. They are carrying these everywhere they go. With a digital ID, you no longer have to take the time to print and distribute IDs, and there's no worries of it being stolen. It's fast and so easy to use. Of course, you can still customize your IDs. You can use your school colors and even put your mascot on the front if you like. They work with both QR codes and barcodes. Many states require some specific information to be included on the back of these ID cards as well. This can all be added in SmartPass digital IDs. They can access these IDs right from their SmartPass. Your students' profile pictures, ID numbers, and grade levels can be loaded in less than five minutes. I would say that's a win for everyone. If you are interested in a quick, easy, and innovative way to use IDs this upcoming year, click on the link below for a quote or to schedule a meeting to learn more about how digital IDs can help your school. First of all, she's a terrible script reader. The second thing is you see how convenient it is? You see how, how great that is? You see how wonderful it'll be for everybody? It's a win for everybody. Well, what happens if they steal your phone? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He just, well, I think, he just, I think, uh, somebody put him in a re-education camp. He can't talk like that. <laughs> he posted on Sunday an article from the U.S. Army War College called Estimation of Technology Convergence. And Melissa and are not sure, piece. she had put a quote in there talking about how it's highly likely that innovations in nanotechnology, neurotechnology, biotechnology, information technology, and quantum technology and AI will allow for the mass production of human-to-computer interfaces that will reduce or even eliminate the use of mobile device visual-to-touch interfaces over the next 15 years. Over the same time frame, non-invasive devices such as augmented reality goggles and contact lenses will give way to invasive implants such as bionic corneal replacements and more advanced non-invasive brain-computer interface options. And so basically what they're saying is that this is just a temporary phase of smartphone thing. And Alan thought they didn't need, probably didn't even need the chip with the smartphones because it's got so much data on you and it's got it's recording all your, your your medical data and all the rest of it, location data and so on. But uh, allegedly, the, according to this military document, and according to, you know, there's many, just tons of stuff that's come out over the years about RFID chips and so on uh, in humans. And so, yeah, apparently it's coming soon, according to the Army War College. Well, that War College uh, white paper was done 
in 2020. And their projection, their estimation was 15 years out. What is this going to look like? And a lot of their projections were based on 6G technology. But from what I've read about 6G, this is going to be implemented pretty much worldwide by 2030. So I think that a deviceless future is much faster, probably seven or eight years from now, not 2035 as this. I mean, but who knows? I mean, these are documents that are freely available to the public. You don't have to have a freedom of information. Uh, you know, well, it's just go online, search, start, you know, go down the rabbit hole and you'll find it. It's pretty clear what they are planning. As I said, I, I think that they'll implement it in in their own uh, fashion. I think it'll be the uh, the opt-in way first because they're losing on the forced agenda side of things, at least from the, the aspect of public opinion, as in, well, we need to make sure that everybody has these things. Well, you've got a large portion of our societies that don't want those things. And I think, honestly, I think the digital currency is going to be the make or break for that because not only is that, I mean, you, right now you have an option you still, as, as crazy as it is to even conceive, you had an option whether or not you wanted to take a COVID pass. You didn't want to take a COVID pass? Well, then you didn't do that and you were just inconvenienced. The digital cash thing, that's something else. That's going to affect absolutely everybody. Now, I don't understand how not being able to handle a current system by bringing in something more complex is going to solve a problem. As far as I'm concerned, these people can't manage the lemonade stand. And you're going to bring in something even more complicated? I don't think so. I, at least, and be successful uh, to to that point. I, I don't think it's going to. What, I, what I is your What is your metric for success? My metric for success is, uh, I I say if they if they can get more than half, as in if they can get more than half the people on board with it, then it would work. But I don't think it's it's going to be that. Um, I mean, let's look at it in terms of of just the geographic landscape of things, right? And I'm talking about infrastructure-wise. 5G technology is not even conceivable. Hell, I don't even have 5G technology where I live, and I'm like five minutes from a city. So it's it doesn't even reach out here. I'm still on the old, you know, the 4G system or 4G plus or whatever it is, the LTE or whatever it is. They're talking about 5G and even 6G. And then on top of that, if you're going to make everything digital, let's go out to places. OK, you guys are in you guys are in middle America. You're in you're in Texas. Bruce, you're in Oklahoma. So you're just north. Let's go to the rural parts of places like the United States, not to mention some of these other countries that don't have hell, they don't even have the lights on in some of these places. And you're going to bring in a digital infrastructure. It doesn't work. I know some people that had to drive across the state of Montana, the state of Idaho, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and you'll go two hours in one direction and there's no phone service. Forget high speed. There's no phone service unless you have like a satellite phone or you have OnStar in your car or something like that. And you're now going to implement a system that's going to somehow in encompass all of that? I don't think so. In the cities, okay. If they can implement it in the cities and they can do their little 15 minute or their little 20 minute cities or whatever it is they're talking about, yes, I could see that. But the cities are just god awful. I mean, they're just they're they're collapsing all over the place. Well, they are god awful for they are. But the cities may be the only option. I mean, this is certainly what Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 have said. Now, you're you're also talking I'm just going to work backward to the beginning of your thought. You were saying um, the public opinion won't support it. There won't be support for the digital currency and there's too much backlash or lack of compliance, would they force it? Well, I think that each thing that they do, call it a trial balloon or just another brick in the wall, everything that they do is showing them where people are in terms of compliance and what needs to be done to get more compliance the next time out. So it's just more and more compliance. And I think public opinion was overwhelmingly in favor of every draconian method or methodology that was brought in during the pandemic. Most people, the majority said, well, absolutely, we, you know, shelter in place. Absolutely. It has to be masks in public and et cetera, et cetera. Especially on more well-educated well areas, like especially like on universities and stuff, you know, definitely. I mean, like almost everybody. 
was in favor of it. And, you know, right now you're talking about this, uh, uh, what was the tabletop exercise? Contagion, catastrophic contagion. Um, So that is talking about a pandemic that hits primarily children and young people with uh, lethal and bad effect. And just last week in the news or a couple of weeks ago, they were reporting. And and again, this is just the news. This is them reporting. But six children in British Columbia died of the flu. How unusual was that? People remarked. So are we going to be looking at some kind of a pandemic that affects children and young people? And you can believe it that the you uh, what I'm saying is you better believe it, that compliance will be very hard to get away from when what is at stake is the lives of children. And if that compliance, if that compliance means we cannot give you the services that you need to have because you're 20 minutes from the city and we now cannot supply electricity, we can't supply groceries, we can't supply petrol, whatever it is to usher you in to the core where there will be technology like 5G, 6G, et cetera. Okay. So I was going to add in that 90% of the world already has smartphones, although maybe they don't have service, the best service, but they, they got the phones, most people in the world. That's true. And you, you're surmising that uh, they're going to do exactly what they tried to do, uh, or they're still trying to do it uh, under COVID. They're going to use people's kids against them as leverage to comply. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can definitely see that. Um, but we were actually looking at those numbers that they put out in that uh, whatever that was, that catastrophic contagion tabletop. Bruce, those mm-hmm. were the flu numbers, weren't they? They were. Um, they just quoted the numbers and it sounded bad because, you know, a billion people were infected and like 20 some million were died or something like that. And when you do the figures, it's a bad case of the flu. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it, it's well. Technically, it's less than your chances of getting myocarditis with this current vaccination scheme. But it was, um, you know, a high flu. And I I was going through. Sorry, this is kind of going back a little bit. I was looking at this uh, smart pass for the kids, uh, the the, the hall pass, as they're calling it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. It's social credit because they have things like you can block two plus students from interacting with one another. You can find out as uh, simple things as who the last person to the, the bathroom was, uh, you know, and, and tracking where they're at in the school building, uh, reduce the number of, of uh, frequent flyers, as they call it, or, or people that ditch, uh, and report students to the admin like um, they're vaping on school premises when they're not supposed to, or they're smoking or something like that. You can report them. And mm-hmm. it's creating this snitch culture among the students. They're already doing this with the kids, teaching them that, uh, kind of indoctrinating them that, they know better. The, the the teachers know better than the parents. And, you know, that's kind of the idea with some of the, the changes that we were seeing with education uh, and, and the methods that they it wasn't to teach them better or, or more efficiently. It was to uh, create a divide between you and uh, your your child. And this is just furthering that what what, what you're talking about. They're, they're going to use uh, coming pandemics or even just education in general. Uh, you you want your kid to have a good education. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to live in this specific area um, or you're going to have to take this vaccination or you're going to have to have this bit of technology or what have you that you can only get in the city or only functions in that area because you need a certain connection type like a 5G or 6G or whatever. They're going to push towards that. And it, it, that I mean, they're setting everything up that way now. In fact, when you see uh, things like um, uh, there's there's a new disease out and there there's um, well, the we don't have a vaccine for this yet. And they're already saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to create vaccines for everything now. And it, it, they're kind of setting the stage for everything. You, you have to use uh, this smart pass system to track whether, you know, what your students' grades are, and that's all going to be tracked on the on the the student pass, whether or not you've been vaccinated, you know, and that's going to dictate whether you can go to this um, let's say you're a student and you're, you're making, uh, I don't know, you're, you're, you have a lower, you're making C's or something like that. And you, you use your ID to get in somewhere and, oh, sorry, you can't go in here cause your grades are too low. I mean, it, right. you're going to start seeing stuff like that. And, well, it, Alan pointed out for years that with this, the, uh, smart meters and the smart technology in the home, that there would be things like, you know, your refri- already your refrigerator, there is technology there that can keep you updated on what needs to be restocked in your refrigerator. He said, well, how 
easy will that be for them to say, you've got an extra pound of hamburger in your refrigerator. You don't have the credits for it or the money, you know, how whatever terminology they use, but you're not entitled to two pounds of hamburger this week, only one. And furthermore, your uh, body fat index says that you're 10% higher than you should be. You're, uh, you need to lose weight and you can't have those potato chips. This is completely... Well, they, they, they hike up your insurance rate. Yeah, yes. that's what talked about in this book. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is going on. I mean, that that ridiculous study that I, I, I was just shocked was even real that came out of Canada, published in the American Journal of Medicine, about uh, the vaccine hesitancy correlating to higher incidence of traffic crashes. <laughs> well, you can see where that's going with your insurance premiums. I- yeah, I, I I was actually we were joking about that last week. I think it was like last um, last Friday or something. We were joking about it, and uh, one of the uh, the guests that we had on said, "Well, how does that work?" And I said, "The only thing we can surmise is it's the vaccinated that are actually dropping over dead in the driver's seat that are crashing into the unvaccinated. That's the only reason we can think that might be the case." But in that the, the, to to your point though, in that study, they actually say that the reason that that would be the case is that these people that are unvaccinated are more likely to ignore the rules of the road right. as opposed right. to somebody risky behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. And yeah, it, and I, I you know, we'd surmised about this long before we actually started reading about social credit. This is when we first started hearing about what they were doing in China. This is before we saw any white papers on it or anything like that and we started uh, studying it. And I said, "My god, it's literally going to be what you described just a few minutes ago. It's going to be you're going to go to the doctor for something, just a regular checkup, you know, yearly physical or whatever, and he's going to tell you or she's going to tell you, or I guess we can't use those terms anymore, can we, according to Stanford University. So, yeah. so the doctor, I'm just going to say the doctor, is going to tell you, you can't have this, 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 or this because you're overweight and you know you just can't have it. So we got to put you on the special diet plan. And being a rebellious individual, especially an American, you say, you know, F you drop dead, I'm going to go have a steak and some ice cream. And you go down to the store on your way home. And because you have digital currency now, sorry, you can't buy those potato chips. You can't buy that steak. You can't buy that ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to, you can't have that butter or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's literally going to be that. It, it will be that. And, and again, I think, it, just my opinion, I think that it will be the digital currency that is going to hit everybody. As in, I, I'm not necessarily saying that it's it's going to force compliance. I think it's going to force a response, if nothing else. Rather, that's going to be in a positive direction or in a negative uh, direction. I think it's going to force everybody into a position where, hey, wait a minute, you're telling me now what I can and can't buy? And they tried to do that during COVID. They had minders walking around stores in certain countries saying, sorry, uh, you can't buy these Christmas decorations. Uh, you can't buy that, uh, that, that household product uh, because it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. It's not essential. They tried to do that already. And with the digital currency, well, that will be. Sorry, go ahead. I was in Canada during that time. And, you know, if you wanted eggs, first of all, you'd have to get to the store at like six or seven in the morning. As soon as it opened, you'd, you'd need to call ahead, find going on. I mean, I spent a lot of time finding out which stores were stocking eggs, milk, the basics, because we're way out in the country and we're not going in once a week, you know, in the wintertime, maybe once a month. So that was a very real thing. I had to go into the dollar store on one of those trips into town and they had cordoned off aisles. So what was interesting to me was that you could not buy a, a dish towel or a pot holder or a child's toy. Those were all considered non-essential. But the entire row dedicated to candy and junk food was open. But that can be switched around. I mean, it, it, they could cordon off the junk food and say no, you know, or I mean, they can control what you can get because of supply chain. It's just not there. You know, we don't have yeah. it. I mean, there were at at, at that time, there were listeners to Alan's show in the United States who mailed him yeast for baking bread because that was not to be had in any store in northern Ontario, as far as I could determine. Wow. So, yeah. So these are very real things. I don't um, 
You know, when you say in other countries, yeah, well, I would, I happen to be in those other countries and these things that they tell you, oh, and, and everybody mostly just said, oh, okay, well, we understand because we're all in it together after all. Yeah, we're all in it together. All right. That works out great until you start having people disappear. Uh, or the other insane rule out of these things that will come with the digital ID and the social credit that they're training the kids to accept, just like the classrooms, is the limitations that establishments were told they had to put on like patrons. As in, you can't have more than 25 people in your business as in like a restaurant or half of them have to be outside in the middle of January kind of thing. Uh, you can't have more than 35 people in a church if you could even go to church uh, mm -hmm. or in I, I think it was in um, I want to say it was in the state of Idaho. There was a uh, there was a, a church that decided they were going to have an outdoor service. OK, an outdoor service. Because you couldn't do it inside because of, you know, COVID restrictions and, and social distancing and all that stuff. So the church made arrangements to have everybody out in the parking lot in their own cars with their windows up. And the preacher was up at the front of the parking lot broadcasting on an FM channel so that everybody in the parking lot could hear in their own cars. The police came and shut it down. So you're telling me I, this is actually about, about a virus? That, yeah. This is insane. Mm -hmm. This is insane. Who mm -hmm. decides that you can have 35 people in a business or 75? Why not 100? Why not 150? Mm -hmm. Why not Why not mm -hmm. 26? Why not uh, 74? Why not 82? Who makes up these numbers? Yeah, that's right. And a lot of people noticed and made jokes and commentary that evidently uh, you could have a lot of people in a strip club, but you couldn't have them in a church because, you know... The, the virus just doesn't want to have anything to do right. with the pole dancer, evidently. Or, but or the mask. You have to you you have to wear a mask when you walk into a restaurant, but when you sit down, then you can take it off because well, the virus knows mm -hmm. that it's not going to bother you while you're eating. And that's right. Yeah. So and then you know, I mean, you're talking because I think what we're really talking about is compliance and the exercise and the yeah. and what can be ascertained by this uh, pathocracy when they're studying us, how will we comply? Did you see the bubbles that they gave to uh, orchestras and bands? Did, did you see that where you, you got a, a yeah, what, a tuba player yeah. in a yeah. bubble and yeah. the, you know everybody's got their own bubble? And uh, it, it's like something out of, uh, you know, the onion, it's satire, except it was real. And I think that this is what they demonstrated to themselves is People will do the ridiculous if they think that their lives are at stake. And I think they will do the... I think they'll do the ridiculous, too, yeah. if they think that, you know, they're going to be seen as like an outcast or they might get, you know, you know be punished uh, financially or something as well, just even if they're not afraid of the virus. Um, because uh, certainly I think some of the COVID penalties are very harsh, especially depending on the country you were in. I forget the exact numbers, but I remember it being into even, even the thousands of pounds for being out longer than you're supposed to or something, you know. In Australia. Oh yeah, here it was. It was literally fifteen hundred euros if you were caught out past like ten o'clock. You, mm -hmm. you couldn't be. You couldn't be out past ten o'clock, but you could be after five a.m. So what? The the virus uh, knows that you're going to be more susceptible between the hours of ten p.m. and five a.m. That's well, ridiculous. In in Canada, and in, in that little town that we were near, there was a a hairdresser that was allowed to be open. She had a couple of people in, but because she was not enforcing the mask, which she was supposed to have been enforcing that mandate, one of her patrons snitched on them. And the the patron that had not been wearing a mask was fined $5,000. And the woman who ran the shop was fined something like $8,000. And I'm thinking, you know, I think that you take that woman out back behind the shop and, and shave her head. <laughs> Play nice, yeah. But a head shaving might teach a lesson. But you're t again, we're talking about children and a new generation being brought up. And I just think about children that I've interacted with in the past. This will be going way back, maybe twenty years ago. I had friends' children who were there was someone outside at a little gathering that was smoking, and they got a lecture from a like an eight year old child on the harms of that. And, and you know, I, there was another young girl at the, a couple of years after that. I think she was about 10 or 11, but she was in my home telling me while I was putting away some leftovers, how harmful plastic was that I shouldn't be putting leftovers in a plastic container. This is what they get in school. 
You see, the, and, and they're also, because the teachers know better than the adults, they're certainly not taught when you're in someone's home, it's not your parents or whatever, you cert- you shouldn't be going in and telling them how to live. No, that n- that is not conveyed to them. What is conveyed, though, is that plastic is terrible, it's bad for the environment, it's bad for your health, and anybody who uses it is a bad, 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 bad person. And they've had this indoctrination for three decades now. And it gets worse with each intake of students. Yeah, and on the topic of the indoctrination of children, I just wanted to add this point too, is that I was looking up, you know, articles for the images for the video for the Redux of this Sunday. And I found one of the articles that talked about homeschooling in Germany and why some people in Germany wanted to homeschool is because they realized that most of their children's learning was being done at home at, while they were doing homework rather than at school. Like they weren't really being taught. They weren't really learning very much in school. It was all just, they were all just having to teach themselves during the homework. And as I saw, there's very similar policies going on in the United States as well, where you had to learn things through video lessons and taking notes when you were outside of class. The learning didn't happen in the class. In the class, you just did a bunch of group think stuff. So uh, really, this is uh, basically, they're getting, and, and Melissa was saying that she noticed that or she had heard that a lot of people were complaining of getting uh, of their children getting more and more homework than they used to. So basically, more and more of their time, less and less, they have less and less of it for their parents or, or being able to have free time and, and listen to Alan Watt or whatever they might be doing. And, and more of it's just doing, you know, actually learning what they need to learn for school because they're not getting it in school. It, when I was um, looking into some research around that Teachnocracy series, he had mentioned the OECD, which is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and how that all tied into big tech's involvement with schools and the real revolution. In other words, they are preparing students not to have knowledge per se, but to have the right kind of knowledge that is economically biased time. And I found several very interesting things there just in terms of what children are being taught and how. One of the things that they said was they were encouraging children to learn with audiovisual material and that way they could speed up an audio. They had done studies to determine how fast can a young mind listen to an audio? Can they speed it up two times or three times or whatever? Well, the study decided that speeding up an audio to listen to it at 1.7 times does not impair your ability to absorb the information. And the example or the reason for doing this, they said was, you know, a lot of times your lectures are are being given to you either in the classroom or something that you take away, but it's a 50-minute lecture. And they said, and after all, in a 50-minute lecture, there's going to be a lot of redundancy. And I thought, well, how sad is that? Because if if an ex if a so-called expert, and that might be a teacher who is conveying knowledge, can't think of things to say for 50 minutes without being, you know, incredibly redundant, well, they obviously don't have much knowledge to pass on. No, there's no point. It, the whole thing becomes irrelevant. Weston, you were here last week. We played the clip of that uh, uh, Ecto Life uh, facility that yes. they want to do. Yeah. And that all plays to this fourth industrial revolution as well. Melissa, did you see that? Have you heard about that? The Ecto Life thing? Have you seen it? He hasn't heard of it. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't listen okay. to that. All right. All right. Yet. This 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 plays. It's it's fascinating because I, as you're sitting here and you're saying all this stuff, this plays to just about everything that was in there. Uh, and I'd like to play a couple of minutes of it for you if you'd like to if, sure. if you'd be patient. With I, I'd like. To- Give me just a second. I should have had it queued up and I didn't, but it just came to me as you were talking there. Uh, but it's everything, everything you're talking about and how they're going to engineer kids, babies, you know, brains, bodies, minds, everything. Introducing Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility powered entirely by renewable energy. Ectolife allows infertile couple to conceive a baby and become the true biological parents of their own offspring. It's a perfect solution for women who had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer or other complications. With Ectolife, premature births and C-sections will be a thing of the past. Ectolife is designed to help countries that are suffering from severe population decline, including Japan, Bulgaria, South Korea, and many others. The facility features 75 highly equipped labs, 
Each state-of-the-art lab can accommodate up to 400 growth pods or artificial wombs. Every pod is designed to replicate the exact conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. A single building can incubate up to 30,000 lab-grown babies per year. EctoLife allows your baby to develop in an infection-free environment. The pods are made of materials that prevent germs from sticking to their surfaces. Every growth pod features sensors that can monitor your baby's vital signs, including heartbeat, temperature, blood pressure, breathing rate, and oxygen saturation. The artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. are equipped with a screen that displays real-time data on the developmental progress of your baby. These data are sent directly to your phone so you can track your baby's health from the comfort of your zone. The app also provides you with a high-resolution live view of your baby's development. A special section in the app allows you to watch a time-lapse of your baby's growth and share it directly with your loved ones. can recognize language and learn new words while still in the womb. Ectolife growth pods feature internal speakers that play a wide range of words and music to your baby. Through the app, you can choose the playlist that your baby listens to. You can also directly sing to your baby and make them familiar with your voice before birth. Our goal is to provide you with an intelligent offspring that truly reflects your smart choices. Life improves your bonding experience with your baby thanks to a 360 degrees camera that's fitted inside your baby's growth pod you can use your virtual reality headset to explore what it's like to be in your baby's place see what they see and hear what they hear Using a wireless haptic suit connected to your baby's growth pod, you will be able to sense their kicks in the womb and share this experience with your friends and family members. With Ectolife, your baby will receive the best nutrients that can support their growth. Each group of pods is connected to two central bioreactors. The first bioreactor contains nutrients and oxygen, which are supplied to your baby through an artificial umbilical cord. This bioreactor also contains a liquid solution that serves as the ambiotic fluid that surrounds babies in the mother's uterus. It's rich of vital hormones, growth factors, and antibodies that sustain your baby's growth and development. Thanks to a system controlled by artificial intelligence, each baby receives custom nutrients tailored to their needs. The second bioreactor is designed to eliminate any waste products produced by the babies. The artificial umbilical cord helps the babies to release their waste products into the second bioreactor. With the help of a delicate layer of engineered enzymes, the second bioreactor can then recycle waste products and turn them back into useful nutrients. This way, the facility ensures a steady and sustainable supply of fresh nutrients to your baby. With Ectolife, miscarriage and low sperm count are a thing of the past. Prior to placing the fertilized embryo of your baby inside the growth pod, in vitro fertilization is used to create and select the most viable and genetically superior embryo, giving your baby a chance to develop without any biological hurdles. And if you want your baby to stand out and have a brighter future, our Elite Package offers you the opportunity to genetically engineer the embryo before implanting it into the artificial womb. Thanks to CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing tool, you can edit any trait of your baby through a wide range of over 300 genes. By genetically engineering a set of genes, the Elite Package allows you to customize your baby's eye color, hair color, skin tone, physical strength, height, and level of intelligence. 
It also allows you to fix any inherited genetic diseases that are part of your family history so that your baby and their offspring will live a healthy, comfortable life free of genetic diseases. Say goodbye to the pain of childbirth and birth-related muscle contractions. Ectolife provides you a safe, pain-free alternative that helps you deliver your baby without stress. The delivery process is smooth, convenient, and can be done with just a push of a button. After discharging the amniotic fluid from the artificial womb, you will be able to easily remove your baby from the growth pod. Everything is perfectly designed so you and your partner can enjoy the delivery process. To ensure full transparency, our post-delivery free DNA paternity test helps you confirm the genetic identity of your baby so you can return home knowing that your baby is genetically yours. don't have to worry about power cuts or carbon footprint. Ectolife uses highly efficient, clean, renewable energy consisting of solar and wind power. The highly advanced pods operate with minimal energy needs, making it easy for your baby to make it to full term without any complications. And for those who want a more convenient solution, Ectolife is made accessible so your life can be easier. Thanks to our miniaturized bioreactors and long-lasting batteries, you can use Ectolife growth pods at the comfort of your home, allowing you to incubate your baby in your building without the need to visit our factory. By owning your special growth pod, you will have the ability to build a happy family, one baby at a time, away from any birth complications. The concept of Ectolife facility was designed by biotechnologist and science communicator Hashim Al-Ghaili. It relies on groundbreaking research work that has been conducted by scientists and engineers since 1950s. Tired of waiting for a response from an adoption agency? Unable to find a suitable surrogate mother? Worried about pregnancy complications? Worry no more, because Ectolife got you covered. Ectolife. Reinventing evolution. There's no uh, way any of that could ever go wrong, is there? <laughs> did they tell you what the cost was for all of the for, for a pod? No, they they left that they left that part out. Yeah. Well, it's it's brave new world. There's some Gattaca in there. You know, you've got uh, Gattaca had perfectly designed babies, and if you had a genetic anomaly or problem, obviously your parents weren't wealthy enough to have done that kind of technology. And should you really be allowed to live? Well, I guess you can't afford the elite package then, can you? Exactly. They did tell you how much it would cost, though, or hinted at it. They said, uh, your smart choices. Yes. That kind of alluded oh, yeah. to That's the fact right. that as long it's as you stay in your zone, related. as long as you're in your zone, in your building, That's you're fine. Right. You also um, can have that you can pay extra and have it in your building. It's not your home. <laughs> It's in your house. Building, yeah. You can watch the baby grow in your building. <laughs> you know, it's I, I I watch the movie the the Matrix, right? And it's I mean that's that's an allegory for you know how we actually live, as in like you know everybody's blinded and there's a real world that's underneath everything, and you guys run a website cutting through the Matrix, <laughs> and that's literally what we just watched. That's literally straight out of that movie. Is that? So there's your fourth industrial revolution right there. That's what guys like Yul Noah Harari talk about is that. They say that the next industrial revolution will not be about armaments and textiles. It's going to be about brains and bodies. And that's precisely what they're doing there. Yeah, this made me actually think of the Borg um, <laughs> from Star Trek. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be implanting us with cybernetics and everything. And you're grown in an incubation pod. Uh, no different than what the Borg were. Well, it's also too, I mean, back to Brave New World, one of the things that Huxley showed there, you saw remnants of the the barbarians, those who, you know, a couple of generations back hadn't gone along with this for whatever reason. 
and they had multiplied in the natural way out in the wilderness. And that's, you ask how this can be done, how isn't there going to be some pushback or lack of compliance or something? And I, I think what will happen is you'll have a generation who doesn't die of myocardial carditis or some awful blood clot, you'll have a few people who will say, no, I'm not. And those people who say, I'm not, well, guess what? You just don't get all the perks. You don't have your QR code to get your meats allotment for the month. And pretty soon before you know it, you're surrounded by people who have made barbaric choices. And that's the future that you know. That's the life that you know. And a whole other world is going on you know, the, some other multiverse where they've all gone along with the choices. They've made smart choices. <laughs> but I don't see that being some kind of utopia that, that the World Economic Forum talks about. That seems like hell on earth to me. I mean, let, let's just look at it from the, the aspect of what they were talking about in terms of uh, getting rid of genetic defects. Again, this is where your, uh, your pitch for me to become a PR spokesman for uh, DARPA comes in. Yes, getting rid of genetic... Um, gene yeah, any of these, these problems. Okay, I can see the benefit to that. Of course I can. And that's how they're going to sell it to you. That, make no mistake, but it's got nothing to do with that. If you go in and you start editing, if you start cutting the double helix and you start replacing these things. I mean what what happens? What what happens? What what have we seen with with the mRNA technology because that's precisely what it does. It's genetic editing. What does it do? We're seeing monumental rises. I mean like to to epic proportion percentage-wise rises in in fast acting cancers. Mhm. Mm and, yeah, and if, we're now going to manufacture this on an industrial scale? Yeah. And remember, too, I think it was Jeffrey Smith was the guy who wrote this book uh, in the early 2000s about, you know, I guess GMO food. I forget the title of it. But he was talking about how, like, imprecise to actually, like, they make gene editing sound so precise. And the thing is, is that, like, if you if you take out one gene and put in another, that, that one gene you took out could have had an uh, influence, like, in many different traits. And so even though, like, yeah, sure, it might, it might be... Uh, take out it might you might take away the trait that you wanted to take away whatever predisposition to certain illness or whatever out but you also took away you know uh you know their eye or something you know or so like their your their, their organs don't develop properly or something you know so this technology they make it sound so precise but it's not it, like they use like a gun and it's like shoot like a, a gel or like a, a petri dish or whatever and uh i mean in order to you know try to insert the gene it's really not um this this very clean scientific sounding thing is like the, like the Ecto Life commercial made it sound no, like everything was perfect in there. There was no problems. Everything was mm -hmm. was wonderful. Very misleading. Well, this is the you know the old Masonic idea has always been that the builder has got to has has to perfect that which was left imperfect. Which means you know what is imperfect is how we were uh, created is a word I'm going to use. We were created. And um, that is not good enough. That, according to the Masonic idea, is imperfect. And they will continue to perfect it, uh, so they say, whether they end up with Frankenstein's monster or not. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a system. It's a, it's a deviant priesthood, and and utopia is their creation. I I don't see anything utopian about that. I mean, that's again, that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm one of those um, I'm one of those people that makes the barbaric choice that you're talking about. You know, I'm the I'm the person that's like, you know what? You keep your little group thinking your little whatever over here. I'm not interested in that. I see that that's the difference. Is I mean, people like us, and you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. I find sanctity and security away from that, not in it. People that go along to get along and want to be governed and all that stuff. I mean, if that's what somebody wants to do, that's fine, but that's not going to get you very far in this new system. That's not going to get you anywhere. Compliance in this case, as you can see, uh, compliance can get you killed. So I'm, I'm not interested in that. I, I'm interested in, I, I don't want to sound... Um, I guess narcissistic, but I'm interested in self-preservation. I'm interested in keeping other like-minded people away from the the dangers of this this just hell on earth that they're trying to bring in. I'm not interested in that. I well, um, I mean, you're taught. I don't really think that 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 view of um, self-preservation is narcissistic because you are you're sharing the information that you are learning with other people. You're doing that 
that is self-preservation then, in other words, becomes a way of helping other people survive. When you're putting out what you know, when you're spending your time, you know, ringing alarm bells, then that kind of self-preservation is really the preservation of other people. And that is true survival. It's Well, I guess when you put it that way, I, I like your explanation better. Well, I don't want to be a narcissist. No, I don't either. I, that's just not me. Yeah, I, I was saying yesterday, actually, that uh, when somebody asked me many, many years ago, hey, why don't you go into politics? I said, no, I'm not a psychopath or a sociopath. I can't do it. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, you have to be a millionaire at least, too, as well. Yeah. There's that yeah, right, yeah. right. I guess I have to be. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not that, I can assure you. But we're, we're actually at time here. It's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on. I guess we won't see you guys until next year. This is uh, the last podcast of, uh, we're actually, we're finished tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow will be our okay. last day. Yeah, it's, it's been absolutely- have really pleasant uh, Christmas holidays. And- oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope that you all thank have you. the yeah, same uh, with Merry you and your families. Time. So I look forward to having you both back after the uh, the first of the year. Uh, we will be back. Uh, if you guys want to, or, or Weston, uh, our first day back will be on January 2nd, which will be a Monday. So January 3rd, if you're back. Uh, if not, then but, um, but definitely we're looking forward to it in the new year. Yeah. Fantastic. So I want to wish you both a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope that you have safe travels uh, when you're going to visit your families. So we will see you guys next year. Again, Melissa and Weston from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Head on over there and check out the absolute, it's a plethora of information. It's a, in my opinion, it's it's an education in and of itself. It's a library that they have that's available for you to go and take a look at and really learn something about how this world works and about these I don't even want to say individuals, these disgusting creatures that we sit up here and we talk about week after week uh, and just the the god awful ideas that they want to present to people and and put everybody into. But uh, do get over there and check out the work that they put together uh, and spend all their time on and do support them. It's really it's really the great work of uh, I shouldn't say great work, but it's the amazing work of Alan Watt and curate and caretake and promote. Yeah. And that's that's. That is so that no, that that is that is so important that you guys do that because again, I mean, I, I think back to the time that I first heard Alan and the things that he was talking about and the way that he articulated himself and the way he put things in in perspective. As somebody that was not really politically aware, I mean, I was still in stuck in like the left, right, Republican, Democrat thing. And as he started explaining all this stuff to me and and I heard that he had passed and I thought, oh my goodness, I said, is there anybody that's going to continue his work? And you guys do and you do a fantastic job at it. And I I implore people, get over there and check out the great work that they do uh, carrying on his uh, his legacy and support them if you can. So again, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we'll see you guys next year. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. If you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. It's been an absolute pleasure having you all on this evening. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Thank you.